You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 313. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Body podcast, and it is great to have you back. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the Earn That Body podcast. So, today I have a really good episode. We are going to distinguish the difference between weight loss and fat loss because sometimes I have clients who come to me and say, I want to lose weight. Sometimes I have clients who come to me and they say, I want to lose fat. And there is a difference, and I think it's really important to understand what the difference is and some details uh, with both weight loss and fat loss. So we're going to talk about that, but I have had several people reach out to me recently who wanted to know what was the latest with my knee. Thank you so much for being interested. So in case you didn't know, I have something called patellar tendinopathy. I've had it for, man, over six months now, and we don't really know why I have it. I did not have a specific injury to it, which would normally create something like this, but there's the assumption that maybe when I was training for the marathon, um, perhaps just overuse. So anyway, I went ahead and had a treatment called 10X done. It did not do anything, unfortunately. It did not work. And I have now had, I think, six doctor opinions. Six, how crazy is that? I didn't like the first doctor. Um, She referred me to someone to get the 10X treatment. I got the 10X treatment. I didn't really love that doctor. Then I went to UPenn, talked to an orthopedic surgeon. He wants to do surgery. I didn't really love that option. So he said I could see another doctor at UPenn for other options. Saw her, liked her. She said my last hope was to go see this other doctor who could maybe do PRP injections. So I went to see her last week and she did an ultrasound on my knee where they could basically see everything going on with the tendon and the tendon is very unusually thick um just much thicker than normal and very very inflamed they could actually show in the ultrasound all of these colors and all the colors show where the inflammation is And then they showed me my regular knee, my good knee, and there's zero colors at all because it's a healthy knee. And then the bad knee was like lit up like a rainbow, basically. So she says the inflammation is so bad, it's so off the charts that she can't even do PRP because first we have to get the inflammation down. So she gave me a cortisone injection right then and there, and cortisone is quite amazing. (laughs) And there are pros to cons. pros and cons about cortisone. Perhaps I will do a podcast on it. But anyway, it was so amazing that instantly in the ultrasound, all the colors were gone, meaning the inflammation was removed immediately. And I, for the first time in six months, could straighten my knee without any pain at all. So very interesting. Now, just so you know, and she made it very clear to me, and I want to make this very clear to you, it, it, it did not heal in that amount of time. The only thing that cortisone does is it takes the inflammation away. It is actually not super good for you, or I should say for the tendons, because it can actually weaken the tendon. In my case, I 
I don't have much left to try, so she still felt the cortisone injection would be good one time. And again, if we could get that inflammation down in order so she could try this very last procedure. So um, in my case, we went ahead and did it. I have no pain a week later, that's super amazing, but I also cannot do anything. She said, you cannot do any lower body anything. No walks, like no you know workout walking, no running, no biking, nothing. And the reason is because she says, your tendon is in such bad shape right now. We took the pain away, but that is not fixing the problem. And so if you now go ahead and work out, and do squats or run or all these things because you feel so good, she thinks that the tendon will probably rupture because cortisone does not fix the problem, okay? It is a temporary alleviation of pain. And so now I can't do anything again, which is kind of heartbreaking because I keep getting, you know, I do a procedure, I can't do anything for five weeks, then I ease back in. Now it's like I just had another procedure. And then if I get PRP, I can't do anything for three months because she said the PRP injection will happen. And from that, I will be put into a physical therapy uh, protocol for three months where they ease you back in super, super slowly. Now, when I say I can't do anything, I can do upper body and core. She did say I could do that, but nothing on my leg and nothing um, to aggravate the knee. So that's where I'm at. I am the kind of person who always tells my clients, friends, and family, if you don't like a doctor that you're going to, get another opinion. And I certainly have done that with my six opinions. I even got the opinion of a very good friend of mine from elementary school who is now this unbelievable orthopedic surgeon in Newport Beach who uh, specializes in knees. So I even shot him all of my MRIs and x-rays and got his opinion. And really at this point, pretty much everyone I talk to says, you wanna avoid this surgery at all costs until you don't have any other options. And so that is what I'm doing. I am doing as many things and options as possible to avoid the surgery because I really, I don't wanna go down that road if I don't have to. So there you have it. I am back to no lower body workouts at all. I am doing upper body and core like a mad woman, so I will have the strongest core and upper body in the world. And that is all I can do. So what that means for me in terms of like health and nutrition, I guess you could say, because I don't want to gain weight during these periods, is that I am focusing all that attention and time where I can't work out to just really making sure that my nutrition is very, very clean, very on point. Um, I already eat very close to an inflammation diet, meaning inflammation-free uh, foods that do not create inflammation, foods that help inflammation, because I eat primarily real foods. So I already live that life, so nothing changes there. But I am very dedicated right now to watching my nutrition very, very closely. Because like I said, as everybody gets older, weight loss is so, so hard. And I refuse to put on weight right now just to say, oh, I'll take it off next year when I can move again. No, I know how hard that will be. And so I just, I know I won't feel good in my body. So the time I can't use for exercise is the time I get to use to focus on nutrition, whether that's meal planning, meal prepping, um, looking at noon recipes, and in healthy, real foods that I can eat. 
So there you have it. Thank you for inquiring. That is my update. I hope to get the PRP probably in the next month and we will go from there. And with that, we are now going to talk about, well, it's the Eagle's Eye on Health. So all of that after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. All right, in the Eagle's Eye on Health today, coming to you from On Health Consumer Report magazine. Oh, you might not like this team. The title the trouble with dark chocolate oh i actually did a chocolate podcast way back when so if you are a chocolate person feel free to check it out but this one of course caught my eye because i never thought there would be trouble with dark chocolate but this is what the article says in the past research has found that some dark chocolate bars have cadmium and lead Heavy metals associated with health issues such as kidney damage, nervous system problems, and suppressed immunity. Now, when Consumer Reports recently tested 28 dark chocolate bars from various brands, they found cadmium and lead in, guess how many? All of the chocolate bars. 23 of these chocolate bars had at least one of the two heavy metals at levels that consumer report experts and public health authorities say may be harmful. Five had cadmium and lead at those worrisome levels, including, are you ready? Trader Joe's, the dark chocolate lover's chocolate 85% cacao. Ugh, not good people. But you don't have to give up dark chocolate, they say but you might wanna try the following. For one, you wanna limit your exposure. Calculating the amount of dark chocolate that's risky is complicated, in part because heavy metal levels can vary and there are other sources of exposure. So Consumer Report experts advise a limit of one serving a few days a week and serving sizes always vary, team. So they say you wanna check your product labels. The next thing you can do is you can choose wisely. Five tested products were relatively low in heavy metals. Mast, M-A-S-T, organic dark chocolate, 80% cocoa, Taza chocolate, organic deliciously dark chocolate, Ghirardelli intense uh, dark chocolate, and intense dark chocolate Twilight Delight, and Valrona Ambinal dark chocolate. All of those apparently were low in heavy metals. Now, side note from me, that still makes me kind of mad. Like why, I don't wanna eat any heavy metals. I don't know about you. Now, the last thing they say you can do, switch it up. Milk chocolate tends to have lower levels of both heavy metals and dark chocolate with lower cacao percentages may have less cadmium. There you have it. Apparently, chocolate isn't so healthy after all. (laughs) This is really a bummer. There are heavy metals in certain things in life. I totally get it. Um, I guess this comes from the cacao, C-A-C-A-O. That's how I pronounce it, cacao. Um, And there's just probably some that's already in it. But when they say that levels are higher or at a harmful level, That's very disconcerting. So I would probably put the old chocolate, whether it's dark or milk, 
I would put it on the very limited list for yourself at this point. Sorry, that does seem to be kind of a bummer. But don't worry because right now all the spring and summer fruits are coming into season and they are the best. So swap over from the chocolate to some of those peaches right now and nectarines and all of those things are going to provide you with all the vitamins and fiber and nutrients and no heavy metals. That's, the, that's what we hope at least, right? All right, there we have it. Who wants to talk about fat loss versus weight loss? A lot of the information today coming from Healthline. And it is a topic that gets talked about a lot amongst people, but not everybody really understands the difference between weight loss and fat loss. So weight loss is referring to a decrease in your overall body weight. So that's everything from muscle, water, and fat losses. Now, when you talk about fat loss, that's referring to weight loss from fat, and it's a bit more specific and a very healthful goal that most people have versus just overall weight loss. But it's definitely difficult to know whether you're losing weight from fat or from muscle. So that's something that we are gonna talk about. Now, ways to tell if you're losing fat. It's very common practice, as most of you know, to track your weight loss progress using a scale, right? And this is very helpful, and all my clients do weigh in. That's, that's the best way that I can assess for them each week how things are going. But as you likely know, most scales aren't differentiating between fat loss and muscle loss. So for that reason, tracking only your weight is really not the most reliable way to determine whether you're losing fat or muscle and even in what amounts. Now, a body fat scale can provide a more accurate picture of your body composition by measuring the percentage of fat and muscle that you have, but a lot of those scales are very, very inaccurate. I've actually done a podcast on that a long time ago as well. So personally, I would not run out right now and get one of those body fat scales. I just don't think they are accurate enough to be making a big difference in your life. Now, if you really want to know if you're losing fat, you can go and get a body fat test. Now, in the old days, and they still do it this way, skin fold calipers, like uh, maybe you've seen at the gym, they sort of like grasp your arm and with these calipers, they can determine your body fat percentage. But the accuracy on those is pretty low as well. It's gonna be very dependent on who does your caliper testing and if they're good at it, if they know what they're doing. um, Those tests, again, pretty unreliable. If you really have to know, like the best way is always to do the water testing where they actually put you in a water tank and they can decipher pretty much your exact body fat uh, composition. So that's doing a hydro test in water. It's like they submerge you. It's like a whole big deal. And personally, I just can't see taking the time or spending the money when it's not gonna make that much difference at the end of the day in your weight loss journey. 
But what you can do on the most simple end is just simply take measurements of your body. I have my clients do this too. So that you can determine, hey, did my waist circumference go down during this six week weight loss period? Did my you know, chest size change? Did my arm size change? So you wanna take a measurement around your chest, around your waist, around your hips, your thigh, your arm. Having that kind of detail, at the same time you do your first weigh-in for whatever weight loss program or journey you're taking, is going to give you this extra set of sort of like an extra diagnostic and will help you determine more accurately than just the scale, I should say, if you're losing fat or potentially could be losing muscle. Now, the measurements could also show that you gained muscle, right? Because I've had people who put on a lot of muscle really fast and their their bicep measurement goes up. That's a good thing, right? Those are usually the people also who don't see a lot of change on the scale that they consider a bad thing because they came to lose weight and then we look at their measurement and we're like, wait, look at that, like you actually gained some inches, whether it be in the leg or the arm or where on their body, which could be muscle. Now, could it also be fat around your waist? Like, of course, like it could. But if I look at someone's before photos, compare it to their after, and I can visually see that they look leaner, even though the number on the scale didn't change that much, those are often my people who sometimes have increased in a measurement on usually an arm or a leg. They usually lose though weight through the torso section. So they usually get thinner around the hips, around the waist, but if I see an increase, it's usually in the legs and the arms, and it's usually because they've got an increase of muscle. That's a good thing. We don't just wanna lose weight, people. Like that's not always for the best. We want to put on some muscle as well for a variety of reasons. But overall, relying just on the scale is never enough to tell you if you're losing weight of fat or could you just be losing muscle? Could it just be water weight? Like the scale is just basically not enough to make those determinations, which is why I always say, make sure you do measurements too. Now, focus on fat loss, not weight loss. That's something that they also talk about because many weight loss programs claim to help you lose weight really quickly and really easily. But it's important to realize that a significant amount of this weight may include water and muscle loss. Basically, when it's quick and easy, and I honestly don't think any weight loss is easy, even if it's quick, it's often water and muscle that is coming off initially. And losing muscle can be detrimental, everyone. I am talking detrimental because muscle is a absolutely crucial component of our overall health. We talk about it so much right now that as we age, we lose muscle mass. So you don't wanna go on one of these quick fix diets where you're gonna drop a ton of weight because you're dropping a lot of your muscle. And that's definitely something you don't want to do. Maintaining a healthy percentage of muscle has so many 
benefits, like it's gonna regulate healthy blood sugar levels. It helps you maintain healthy fat levels like your triglycerides and your cholesterol. That's super important. You don't wanna let go of that. And several studies have linked a higher fat to muscle ratio to chronic diseases like metabolic syndrome, heart disease, and diabetes. So you don't want more fat than muscle, right? Now maintaining your muscle mass may also reduce your risk of age-related muscle loss, which results in frailty. For some people, it basically comes down to disability when they lose so much muscle. They get so frail that they basically cannot function with daily activity. In addition to that, the more muscle you have, guess what? The more calories you burn at rest. And this is the main reason why men generally have higher calorie needs than women, because they have so much more muscle on their body, which means they are burning more calories at rest than those of us who don't have as much muscle. And that's because they, they have that lovely testosterone, right? Now, losing weight in the form of muscle it can decrease the number of calories you burn at rest, making it easier to regain all of that weight you might have just lost in your fad diet. That is not good. It is not good. Now, last week we talked about Ozempic, and if you didn't catch that podcast episode, um, or the other week, I should say, we did take a break for Mother's Day. If you did not check that out, you definitely want to. It is a diabetes medication that is being used by way too many people for weight loss, and it's really a shame because it's not what it's intended for. Now, what is happening to a lot of people, and I briefly talked about it in the podcast last week, people who are on Ozempic are losing a significant amount of weight very, very quickly. And while that weight loss can bring a lot of health benefits to those people, losing weight rapidly can also cause that decrease in muscle mass, lessen bone density, and lower your resting metabolic rate, leading to something called sarcopenia. Again, we briefly touched on it in that episode. Sarcopenia is the gradual loss of muscle mass, strength, and function. Now, sarcopenia affects the elderly population and typically is associated with aging. However, rapidly losing weight with medications like Ozempic without proper diet and exercise can also cause sarcopenia, and they refer to it as something called skinny fat. And this can happen at any age and it negatively will affect a person's quality of life when you get sarcopenia because it reduces your stamina and ability to perform daily activities just like simply walking upstairs. Sarcopenic obesity is what they call it. It mimics obesity and occurs when a person's BMI is in the normal to low range, which is what starts to happen when you're on that medication. You're on Ozempic, you're losing all this weight, and all of a sudden you might get into the normal low range in your BMI, which you're thinking, oh, that's great, like I'm so happy, right? However, your levels, or I should say the people on Ozempic, their levels of lean muscle are so low that fat and bones are the only metabolically 
active tissue. And that is not good. So you're thinking that weight loss is everything. And if you lose weight and you go on Ozempic, you're going to lose all this weight. You're going to be so happy and you're going to be so healthy. Unfortunately, that is not the case. A lower body weight does not always mean that a person is healthier. It just doesn't. It's so important to assess so many other things. It's not just about fat loss. It's not just about weight loss. It's also about your overall body composition. So that's a little side note about Ozempic and how it's, you know, in in reference to the whole fat loss thing, because there's people who are losing weight super fast. They're not eating a proper diet as well, because as I said last time, People on Ozempic, they don't have an urge to eat anymore. So their satiety is like almost gone. So a lot of people say that they just, they don't really eat. They like it because they're losing weight. But if you're not eating, then you're not taking in enough protein, enough vitamins, enough fiber, all the things that your body needs, which is another reason they are all losing so much muscle because losing muscle is just not the way to go. So back to it, how do you lose fat and maintain or gain muscle? Because that's definitely what we're looking at for weight loss, like healthy, sustainable weight loss. We wanna lose the fat, we wanna gain the muscle. Well, there's a few different ways to ensure that you'll lose weight in the form of fat and either maintain or even gain muscle mass. And these are gonna include eating plenty of protein, exercise regularly, and follow a nutrient-dense diet. Let's talk about each one of those. So eating plenty of protein. We talk about it all the time on this podcast, right? Super important to make sure that you are getting enough protein. Protein is absolutely vital for so many of our bodily functions. is necessary to make enzymes that help with digestion and energy production. It regulates fluid balance. It supports our immune health and so many other things. It's also really important for maintaining the muscle you have and supporting new muscle growth, especially when losing weight. So I have a lot of clients who come to me and they say they want to put on muscle and I see what they're eating and they are not eating enough calories, and they are not eating enough protein. Well, this is just like red flag and just saying it to you all right now. If you want to put on muscle, you have to eat enough calories to be able to do that, and you have to eat enough protein to be able to do that. So those are two really vital aspects of putting on muscle. Protein, protein, protein. It is so important in our body. If you don't know how much protein you're taking in, I challenge you to just get any food log. They're all free these days, or at least you can try them for free. And input everything you ate yesterday. The reason I say yesterday is because if I say input everything you eat today, you're already gonna try to focus on your protein. Instead, put in everything you ate yesterday and see how much protein that you actually ate. And then you can assess (laughs) if it's in the proper range. I've done several podcasts on protein. I did some recently as well. So just look those up and start to get a sense if you're way low on your protein intake. Um, Side note, we just finished the summer six pack challenge. 
And there is a protein challenge in there that guides you on how much protein that you can take in. Uh, so if you're looking for a little challenge and some help at how to do it and how much protein to shoot for, check out the Summer Six Pack Challenge on the Earn That Body website. It was a great program. Everybody did amazing. Now, the next thing you need to do to make sure that you lose fat but put on muscle is you need to exercise, right? Because that's the most effective way to encourage fat loss versus muscle loss. Now, there was a review of six studies and they found that older adults with obesity who engaged in cardio and weight training at least three times per week while following a calorie restricted diet retained 93% more of their muscle than those who did not exercise at all. Now, certainly exercise alone is an effective strategy to maintain muscle mass without dieting, but if you put that exercise with a higher protein intake, watching your calories, it is optimizing your results. So exercise is definitely going to be a key component to help you lose the fat, but keep or gain muscle. And then the last thing is you are gonna have to follow some type of reduced calorie diet. To lose weight, you have to create some kind of calorie deficit. And you can create a calorie deficit by eating fewer calories, uh, increasing your exercise, and that, that comes to a level. You can't work off a bad diet, but you definitely wanna add exercise if you haven't been. Uh, cutting your calories too much, however, is not necessarily going to lead to fat loss. That's when you are more likely to lead to muscle loss, all right? So you don't wanna cut your calories so low because again, that is likely going to mean that your body needs energy and it is going to steal it from your muscles rather than your fat. You do not want that, right? So always honor your body. Starvation is never gonna be the way to go. Starvation is not something you can sustain. So don't even go near a weight loss fad diet where they are going to deprive you of all those calories, all right? Generally, you want to reduce the number of calories you're consuming by about 500 per day to minimize muscle loss while still facilitating your fat loss. Of course, the amount of calories is going to vary from person to person. It depends if you're an active person, a sedentary person, what your job is. Do you sit all day? Do you move all day? There's so many details and how many calories you should be eating, but that is a really good general guideline. Now, the bottom line is this, team. Weight loss refers to a decrease in your overall body weight. Fat loss, that refers to weight loss that occurs specifically from losses in fat mass. And that body fat scale or a skin fold caliper is going to be a little more useful for fat loss tracking because that is something that you can check specifically, although I think honestly, just measuring in inches or centimeters, whatever you use in your waist, your hips, I like to do arms, legs, as well as chest, just measuring is another simple way to see if you're losing fat. Losing weight 
in the form of fat rather than muscle should be the priority given how important your fat to muscle ratio is to your overall health. And you really want to prioritize that fat loss by eating plenty of protein, exercising regularly, but not out of control. All right, team, don't think that three hours of exercise is going to do the trick. It is not, that will do more harm than good. And you're definitely going to have to restrict your calories in a moderate way because again, if you restrict them by too much, that's when you're gonna start seeing that muscle deterioration, deterioration and you don't want that. We wanna put on muscle, we wanna lose fat. Not everybody wants to lose fat, by the way. Some people are just fine. Not everybody has fat to lose. But if you are someone interested in weight loss, just sort of start wrapping your head around this concept and be very mindful that you're not eating too little so that you're not depriving your body of what it needs to maintain your muscle mass. And then at the end of the day, always remember, everything in moderation, including moderation. So you don't wanna just eat protein, that's not moderate. You need to have healthy carbohydrates, healthy fats. You wanna have vegetables and fruit and grains. You want a healthy balance of food. You don't wanna work out too hard. You don't want it to just be extreme. You want a moderation in exercise as well. That is always gonna be the best way to make sure that you live a healthy life with a healthy body. And there you have it, team. That's everything today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Internet Body Podcast, always here to bring you health, fitness, and nutrition information you can put into play right away. And if you do wanna check out Summer Six Pack, just go right to the website, earnthatbody.com, go into the program section, scroll on down until you see Summer Six Pack. Not only do you get an amazing video library of ab workout and a calendar to tell you everything to do and a daily email that tells you everything to do, but we did do a nutrition challenge with it and it's fantastic and there is a protein section. So if you are someone who's like, doesn't even know where to begin and how much protein you should be eating, then that would be a super fun two-week challenge for you that will start to give you that guidance. All right, everyone, have a great week, and I will see you next time. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. 